When I was in college, uh, we had this annual kind of lecture series that the school would put on, and they would invite us to come and sit under various uh, either professors on campus of biblical studies and ministry or people that they would bring in that were national speakers. Um, and usually every year there was some kind of theme of topic that they would discuss. My senior year, they had what they called the last lecture series. And in the last lecture series, every, every person that they invited was, was asked to come up with what they would give as a lecture, as a sermon, if it was the last one they could ever give. What if it was the last time that you had a captive audience that you could speak to, that would listen? What would you say to them? What would be the significant things of life that you would pass down? And so every single month of that year, I got to sit under some of the greatest biblical minds of our time and hear what their most important thoughts were to impart onto other people. And it was a blessing to sit under that kind of teaching. Uh, this morning, we were going to look at a passage in Matthew that in some ways is Jesus' last lecture series. Um, this is the last time that Jesus speaks to crowds and teaches. Um, some consider this the last parable. Um, there's a debate about whether it is a parable, and we'll talk about that in a second. But this is the last time that he speaks to a crowd and teaches before we get to what we call the passion narrative, when we discuss you know, the triumphal entry, the arrest and trial and crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ. And so usually, I don't know about you, but when I hear this is the last thing that Jesus said to the crowds, my ears perk up. And I naturally have a, a tendency to listen up more because usually if Jesus has the opportunity the last time to say something, it's going to be something important. And so this is a parable that is worth looking at. Now, I said it's debatable whether it's a parable. Um, one of the things that we need to remember is parables are stories. Um, you know, they're a story that is told, it is fictional, and it is told to invoke some kind of meaning or lesson for those who hear it. And so as we see the parables that we've discussed, there's a common thread. It starts with language that indicates that it's a parable. There once was a man. There once were two sons. There once was a servant. There was a field. You know, there, there was these things and these people. The passage today doesn't start that way. It doesn't give us any indication that this is a story that is made up. But rather, what Jesus does in this passage is just tell what is coming. It's very matter-of-fact, and it's pretty obvious as you read through it that this is something that is being future-predicted. This is not a story that we're supposed to pick the meaning out of, but this is coming. The stuff we're hearing today is coming. And, and so before we get into it and read it, I want to make a note to, to those of us in the room or online, especially, that struggle with their faith a little bit. You know, for those of us, myself included, and I would hope and probably imagine this includes everybody to some degree, that have questioned their faith over time. Am I saved? Am I good enough? Does God really love me? Am I in or out? So those kinds of questions. If, that are, if those are the kinds of things that you've asked yourself, this is one of those passages that's going to be an immense struggle. Um, when you get to this, you, you kind of want to skip over it. But I, I want to encourage us to read together and to prayerfully consider what it is that Jesus might have to say to us in this passage. Because there is hope and there is beauty and there is grace and there is goodness in what Jesus communicates through the word that we have today. So let's read together. 
Let's pray and then let us dive into what it is the Lord might have for us this morning. It is Matthew 25, verses 31 through 34. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. And I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you didn't take care of me. And then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Father, as we open your word this morning and expound upon it, we pray that it would speak to us, that your truth would reign in our hearts, that we might learn about you, that we would be shaped and changed by your living, breathing scripture. Father, penetrate our hearts, enlighten this difficult passage to us. Let us see things more clearly as you promise that scripture is there to reveal and not to conceal. Help us in that effort and let your spirit come into this room as we unpack your word today. We love you and we praise you. Amen. So God promises in this passage to separate the people. In the very beginning, it talks about how how the, the Savior will come in glory and he will separate all nations and people. And so right from the start, we, we need to understand that this passage is talking about everybody. This isn't just a subset or just Christians. This is a passage that speaks of all the nations of the world. And there is a time that is coming when Jesus will come back, not as the meek servant, but in glory, and he will separate people out. Now the image he uses is that of sheep and goats. In biblical times, the sheep and the goats had very different needs. They were indeed two groups that a shepherd would separate. And so what would happen is in the morning, the sheep and goats would all go out to pasture together to graze, 
And at night when they were brought back in, there were distinctly different needs. The sheep could remain outside in the cold while the goats needed to be brought in to warmth. And so at the end of the day, when the pen was open, the shepherd would have them all come in and he would separate the goats and the sheep out. And so when Jesus speaks of separating people as with sheep and goats, those in his time would have understood what he's talking about. They would have comprehended the metaphor. The goats had different needs. Now there's three things that were given in this passage. Three promises, three things that, are, that, are, that come across. There will be a reward... There will be punishment, and there will be surprise on both sides. Both those who are rewarded and those who are punished, there will be those who are surprised about which of those two sides they find themselves on. And so let's unpack all three of those things a little bit and see if we can't learn what it is that God would say to us this morning. Number one, we are promised that there will be reward. The Lord says, I will will set some aside as sheep, And those will be invited to be at the right hand of the Father. They will be given eternal life. They will be rewarded. They are the ones who did what God commanded them to do. What is it that got them the reward? Well, if we read the passage, they are the ones who clothed and visited and worked with and loved upon the least of these. Right? Jesus says... And this is, this is a very important thing to understand about the culture that Jesus is trying to create. The kingdom that Jesus has versus the kingdom of this world. Right? He says, those who are on my right as sheep are going to be those that clothed me, took care of me, fed me, visited me in prison. And the people say, well, wait a minute. <clears throat> when did we do those things? And he says, well, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. See, for Jesus... The crux of what it means to follow him is in how we treat the least of these. And so for those who treated them well and visited and cared for and contributed to and lifted up the least of these, those will be the ones that will sit on the right hand of the Father. There is a promise of reward. There's also a promise of punishment. We're not left in total comfort in this passage as Christians, because he says that there are also those who will be separated out as goats. They will be on the left side. The left place is the place of complete dishonor. It is the opposite of the right. Those are sent there because they did not care for Jesus. They did not clothe him or feed him. And when they say, well, what do you mean we didn't feed you or clothe you? We're sitting with you right now. And some of us did feed you. But he says, well, no, no, no. Whatever you did or didn't do to the least of these... He did or didn't do to me. And so because of their lack of concern for the least of these, Jesus says they will be goats. They will be separated to the left side and they are destined for eternal punishment. Their destiny is the destiny that is meant for Satan and his demons. And finally, on both occasions, we find that there are those who are surprised. And this to me, and hopefully to you as well, is is the most unsettling part of this whole entire passage. It's not that there are good and bad people, but it's that on both sides of the aisle, Jesus promises that there's going to be a whole lot of confusion. Right? Both times, when he says, the people that are here as sheep, they start to question, well, when did we do all these things? We weren't aware that we deserve to be here. 
I didn't, I didn't know what did I do to earn my way to this, to this favorable space. I'm not sure. I never thought it would be me that would get to be there that earned that spot. And he says, when you did it to the least of these, right? And on the other side, those who go to the left, he says, there's going to be those who say, what do you mean I didn't serve you or love you or care for you or feed you or clothe you? How dare you? I, I've earned my way. I deserve to be on the right side. And he will say, no, no, no. You never took care of the least of these. I don't know you. And so there's this eerie promise that either way, there's going to be a surprise about those who end up where they end up. There'll be people in eternal glory that never thought they would earned, had earned or deserved to be there. And there will be people in eternal punishment who never in a million years could have imagined being in that eternal punishment. And for me, that is the most unsettling part of this passage. The other challenge is that as we read this passage on its own, what we don't see is salvation through grace. See, because we wait for the, the but in this passage. We wait for the, well, well the people are, are goats and the people are sheep based on whether or not they love the least of these or didn't. But, but, but like Jesus saves us because we believe in him, right? That part, the salvation piece through grace never really comes in this passage. And so if you read this passage in isolation, one of the dangers is that it can look a whole lot like what we call works righteousness. That our ultimate fate after we die, hinges upon what it is that we do in this life. That somehow our actions and the way that we treat people and the money that we give and the way we spend our, our talents and treasures and time somehow are going to be the thing that gets us into either Sheepville or Goatland. And if we read this passage by ourselves, that's what it sounds like. And so it's scary it's scary to read this because I think to myself, well, I haven't always taken care of the least of these. I don't know about you, but if I'm honest with myself, there's a whole lot of times in my life that I can reflect back and say, you know, I, I have failed to live up to the challenge of caring for the least of these. I've walked by the least of these. I know there are least of these right now that are not clothed, and I'm not clothing them. What am I going to do? Am I going to be one of the goats that really thought they'd be sheep? Am I going to be surprised at the end of life to find out that I'm not where I hoped to be or thought I would be? If you struggle with your faith, undoubtedly these are questions that you've asked yourself dozens if not hundreds of times. Right? But there's news. One of the things we need to keep in mind as we engage with Scripture is that we can't read it in isolation. Right? And so this passage exists and sits in the midst of a bigger book, a bigger chapter, a bigger book, and an entire story of the breadth of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And we need to understand that Scripture drips in every corner with the grace message of Jesus Christ. Our fate, our future, our hope does not lie in our actions. This particular passage is dealing with that aspect of our lives. And here's what it is all about. Our works and accomplishments in life 
our works and accomplishments in life. When we do the kind of things that Jesus says makes us sheep, it does not actually earn our way into heaven. But those things are a reflection of the reality that God is working in our lives. Our works are not our own fruit. They are fruit of the fact that God's grace is already at work in our lives. It's not about the works. When I care for the least of these, if I can show this track record of, of constant care for the poor and having loved my neighbor as I should and cared for everybody, that's not the thing. I'm not going to get to heaven's gates and have a list of my accomplishments read off and go, yeah, that's not how it works. What Jesus is talking about in this passage is the list of a fruit that is the result of God already working in our lives. What he's saying is, listen, if you are God's, if God has grabbed you, then you're going to bear fruit. You're, you're going to have evidence of it showing to the world around you. You are going to do the kinds of things that make you sheep. Not to earn your way to sheephood, but to show you that you're already a sheep. It's just an evidence of things. This week we lost a dear brother in Christ, one of the most prolific Christian authors that we've ever had. Um, J.I. Packer, and he actually says this when it comes to the relationship of faith and works and grace. He says, I need not torment myself with the fear that my faith may fail. As grace led me to faith in the first place, so grace will keep me believing to the end. Faith, both in its origin and continuance, is a gift of grace. Now hear this part loud and clear. Your faith will not fail while God sustains it. You are not strong enough to fall away while God is resolved to hold you. The truth is that God holds each one of us as his people in the palm of his hand. In the Reformed tradition, we believe that that the Lord is the one who upholds our faith. He is the creator and sustainer of our faith. When we come to Jesus, when we put our faith and our trust in him, it is because God has already called us. His spirit has been at work in our lives to draw us to him. He is the one who calls. He is the one who draws. He is the one who causes us to be able to answer, to give us the grace to even in the midst of our sins say, Yes, Lord, I will be yours. And then he makes us his and he shapes us and he transforms us and he works in the midst of our lives. And when he does that, we will bear fruit. We will start to naturally adapt the attitudes and the mindsets of Jesus Christ. We will start to do the things that he is pleased with. We will start to think like he does. We will start to desire the things that he does. We will start to turn our eyes <clears throat> to the injustice and to the least of these. And we will care for them. And we will feed them. And we will clothe them. And we will lift them up out of poverty. And we will walk with them. And we will sit with them in their sadness and sorrow. And we will walk hand in hand with our brothers and sisters in need. <clears throat> and when we do that, the evidence is displayed. And Jesus calls us his sheep. It is not about what you can do for Jesus. 
It is not about what you can do for the Father. It is about Jesus working through you to clean your heart and to draw you in so that you might serve him. Salvation comes as a gift of grace. You are a sheep because Jesus makes you a sheep. Because the Lord calls you and he creates the sheep-like tendencies inside of you that then cause you to live like a sheep and then he calls you his own. And he puts you at the right hand of the Father in glory forever. The passage that we read today gives us a hint of this. There's a key word that tells us what it's all about. And it's in verse 34. When he's talking to the sheep and they say, you know, here's all the rewards that you will get. He says, come you who are blessed by my Father. Because the Father has called them. And here's the key word. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Inherit. The very nature of an inheritance is that it is something that is not yours to receive, that you received. It was someone else's. It was someone else's higher up to give to you. It wasn't yours, but it was given to you. We can't earn our way we can't do enough sheep-like behavior to warrant entry into heaven. We can't. But we can trust and hope in the one who calls us, who gives us an inheritance, who clothes us in righteousness, who washes us white as snow. We can come before him on our knees with gratitude and thankfulness and humility as one who would never expect to be sheep, and rejoice in the fact that he calls us sons and daughters. And he puts us at the right hand of the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you call us sons and daughters. We thank you that our future and our hope lies not in our own actions because we would fail. But instead lies in you. Father, we are so grateful for those of us that know you and call you Abba, Father, that you have made us into your sheep. And Father, we pray that you would continue to infuse us with your Holy Spirit, that we might be more and more shaped into your likeness. Father, we pray that as we are not caring for the least of these, that you would continuously shape us, that we might love and care and show concern for the things that you love and care and have concern for. As ones who are saved and are seated securely in our future at the right hand of the Father, God, we pray that we might act like it. That our everyday fruit might reflect the gift of grace that you have given us. That as we leave this space, as the people of Stowe Presbyterian Church, whether it's physically for the few of us that are in this building, or virtually for those who are tuning in from their homes. Father, that as we go out this morning, that we would reflect, Father, the world might see us as your sheep.
so that they would be drawn to you and come to know you. We pray that through your spirit and through us, Stoprez might become known as a place that loves and cares about the least of these. Be with us this day. Walk with us. We love you. And all God's people said, Amen.